Friends, I don't know why you are here this morning. But in preparing for today, there's just such an expectation in my heart for what I believe the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives. Not just in this moment, but even starting in this moment, going beyond this venue. I believe God wants to do something this morning that's going to release something in your spirit and your heart. And at least that's my prayer for us as a church. This week saw the anniversary of a significant event in the history of our nation. On 11 February 1990, President Nelson Mandela was released from prison. 22 years ago, this week, he was released from prison. Marking a new era for our nation, um, leading us into um, what we would call freedom as a nation. And at one stage, when speaking on freedom, he said the following, for to be free is not merely to cast off one's change, chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. And I know he spoke this in a literal, um, physical, um, political way, but it made me think of this in a spiritual way. To truly live free is to respect others and enhance that spiritual freedom in others. If we say we experience the freedom of Jesus, then surely we should be passionate and willing to see others experience that freedom as well. And it got me thinking, and I asked the question of myself, what is freedom for me? That's a question I want us to ask this morning. What is freedom for you? Freedom is such a familiar term, but what does it mean for you? What does freedom mean for you? And what does it mean to live free? I'm honest, my first uh, couple of uh, answers to the question is freedom is, is very superficial. It's, very, it's not very deep, so don't write this down in your notes. But to do whatever you want to do. Not to have any responsibilities. Maybe that's your understanding of what it means to live free. But today we're going to look at what was Jesus' intention when he spoke about freedom. Today we're continuing with our series called Abide, and the main idea behind this series, this is a series that we've been doing throughout the world as an every nation movement, uh, and the idea behind this series is as we abide in the Word of God, that we will experience the power and freedom and beauty of God's Word for ourselves. And we do this by looking at specific encounters through the Gospel of John, the book of John. And we've already started four weeks ago, we started, we looked at John 1, where the Word became flesh. And we said, well, the Word of God is personified in the person of Jesus. When Jesus became man, He demonstrated the Word of God to us. So if we refer to the Word, we often refer to Jesus Himself. The week after that, we, we looked at John 5, that life is found in the Word. Man that was trusting to be healed by this pool, and then life is found in Jesus Last week we spoke about how the Word feeds our soul, that we shouldn't be malnourished, but that we should allow Jesus to impart into our soul and feed our soul. And this week we're going to speak on freedom, how the Word sets us free. And we're going to do this by looking at um, an encounter in John 8. So if you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn to John 8 as we're going to read together um, here. So let's pray before we start. 
Lord, we are thankful for your word this morning. And Lord, as I shared now that you came and personified your word to us, Lord, I pray now that by your spirit that you would come and reveal your word further to us. We thank you for what we are about to read, Lord, and by faith we ask that you would come and make your words alive and active and relevant to our hearts now this morning. I pray that you would come reveal what's happening in our hearts and our minds, Lord, and that your truth will help to set us free this morning. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would be the one that ministers to us and that you would guide us in your truth according to your will. And we pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to give a a little bit of background as to what's happening here. Uh, In the start of John 8, and Jesus is teaching in the temple. And while he's teaching, the Pharisees brings this woman that is caught in adultery towards Jesus. Uh, And they do this with the purpose of trying to discredit Jesus in front of people. They're they're trying to entrap Jesus and and find fault in him. So they bring this woman that's caught in adultery towards Jesus, and then they pose Jesus with a question. They say to Jesus, according to our law, she needs to be stoned because she's been caught in adultery. According to law, she needs to be killed. And they are ready to kill this woman. And then they ask Jesus, but what do you say we should do? According to the law, we should kill her. But now they know if Jesus says kill her, there's going to be backlash. They're trying to catch Jesus off guard. And this is how he responds in verse 8. Let him who is without a sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. At once more at once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So through Jesus' actions, writing on the ground and his words, we don't know what Jesus wrote on the ground, but through Jesus' actions and his words, he literally frees this woman from what they wanted to do to her. They're about to kill her, and through his actions and his words, she's freed physically, but also spiritually. But this is not where it ends. Then the Pharisees come to Jesus, and they start to, start to argue and debate with him on, on what authority can he go and free this woman? On what authority can he go and, and say um, her sins is forgiven? And they, they have this reasoning, this uh, debate on who Jesus is. And in this conversation, Jesus tries to help the people, not just them, but the people standing there uh, to understand that his version of truth and freedom is completely different than what they are expecting. It's on a different level and quality. So this conversation continues, and Jesus is trying to get them to understand what does he mean with freedom and truth. And then in verse 31, so we skip this couple of verses, we read, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth 
and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is that you, you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now from this conversation, there's three things that I want to highlight this morning to help us better understand how the word set us free. This conversation where Jesus is trying to explain freedom, three things I want to highlight. Firstly, Jesus starts with, if you abide. If you abide, meaning there's a, there's a need for intentional, the decision to abide. It's not just going to happen. It's not a natural thing that flows out of something else. To experience freedom, you have to choose to abide. If you abide, there needs to be a personal decision from each one of us to say, I want to abide. I want to experience this freedom in Jesus. And then we look at the scripture, we see that abiding leads to knowing, and knowing leads to freedom. There's this progression that if I choose to abide, what will happen? There will be a knowing, and knowing will lead to freedom. But what does it mean to abide? Because I can tell you this morning, if you choose, and you can say, yes, I choose, but you don't know what you're signing up for. It's that contract that you receive by email, terms and conditions, and you go just tick, but you have no idea what you're signing up for. What does it mean to abide? Abide is not a word that we often use. You don't hear people go, oh, I abide in Pretoria. I abide in Pretoria East. This past Saturday, I chose to abide in my bed till nine. It's just not a word that we use. So what does abide mean? If we had to translate abide, abide means to remain in or to live in. To remain in or to live in. It's an experiential word. It is something that you do, that you experience. It is time spent investing in something. Use an example of what abide means. I grew up in Funnabell Park, and this is a church, so you cannot judge me, okay? Those of you who already went, hmm? <laughs> I grew up in Funnabell Park. I, I spent quite a considerable time of my life there. And therefore, I remained there. I lived there. I grew an experience of the town. So if you were to ask me things of this town, even though I haven't been there for quite a while, I, there's certain things that I will be able to tell you. I know the culture of the town. I grew up there. I know what some of the safe spots where you can go to, and I know what some of the spots that you should avoid. And some of you might be thinking, that's probably the whole Funnabelle Park. It's not. There's some really nice places as well. Okay. If you're ever there, I can tell you about it. I can tell you what you can do to enjoy. I can tell you where you need to stay away from because I've gained experience by remaining in that area. Similarly, I'm a qualified pharmacist. I studied pharmacy, those of you who don't know. But I'm a really bad pharmacist. 
really bad. I don't, I'm not even shy about it. Okay. I have, I have the degree, but if you were to ask me anything about medicine, I would probably advise you to ask someone else. And in, in any case, if I give you advice on medicine, don't use it. It's dangerous. Okay. For a very, very simple reason. I've not been working in a pharmacy for almost 15 years. And after I studied, it was a very short time practicing, investing, abiding in this occupation. I gained very little experience. And therefore, my authority on medicine is limited to what I read in a book, which is outdated and dangerous. I'm not well equipped to give you advice on medicine. But I can tell you something about church and ministry. So 15 years, I've been investing my life, full-time ministry in church, and I've gained experience, not from an arrogant place, but I've been remaining in this. There's a certain experience that I can speak of when it comes to ministry and church because of the time spent in those areas. Abiding leads to abounding. The more time you spend in something, the greater is your experience of that thing. Abiding leads to abounding. The more time you spend in this, the greater is your experience of this. So for this morning, if you abide in fear, you will abound in anxiety. It's a simple practice. If you're constantly focusing on all the things that's wrong and fearsome and, uh, and, and, and what's, what's creating anxiety, you will abound in anxiety. If you abide in people's opinion of you, you will abound in insecurity. If you're constantly focusing on what does this people think about me, what are they saying about me, uh, am I invited to this, uh, am I liked on Facebook, uh, or whatever. If you're constantly abiding in people's opinion of you, you will abound in insecurity. Because here's the harsh truth, not everybody will like you. And you will abound in insecurity. If you abide in materialism, you will abound in discontentment. Constantly seeing what you don't have. Constantly seeing what you need. Constantly bigger and better. If you abide in thankfulness, you will abound in gratitude and contentment. Abiding leads to abounding. And if you abide, remain, and spend time in the Word of God, you will abound in the knowledge of God's wisdom and His will. You will know His truth. Abiding in His word, you will abound in the knowledge of His wisdom and His truth. You will know His truth. That's what Jesus says. Abiding will lead to knowing. Now the word you used for knowing is ginosko. It's also a great word to use just later today when you call your kids. Go and do what I tell you, otherwise I'll ginosko you. <laughs> ginosko means when you experientially learn something. So when Jesus said you abide, you will know, Jesus says you will know through experience. You will know 
through experience. This is not a knowledge that comes from reading, listening, and studying. It's a knowledge that comes through experiencing. Uh, I'm going to use the example again. A couple of years ago, friends of ours invited us to go to their timeshare on this trout farm in Dillstrom. This is many years ago. We were just married a year or two. And um, great opportunity, Dillstrom. We're going to fly fish because that's the only thing you can do. They told us that's what you do. There's this little hut next to the dam. You fly fish, and the rest of the time you're in the hut. That's it. So we're really excited. Like I said, we're a couple of years married, one or two years, so we're going to this breakaway. And like a few days before we go on this trip, I think, well, I probably need to learn how to fly fish. Um, so I, I read up on the internet. Google's a great teacher. I go to YouTube. I see one or two techniques, and now I'm well-equipped to fly fish. I don't know if anyone of you fly fished before. Just quickly raise your hand. Those are the guys that's laughing at me at this stage. Okay. So here we get to this great setting in Dolstrom, and I tell Lindy, listen, I'm going to fly fish. Don't bother me. I get the, the fishing gear and everything. And lo and behold, it's a lot different in real life than the video on YouTube. I really struggled. I didn't fish a lot. Most of the time, I was just untangling the rod. I got so frustrated. I don't know where to cast, how to cast, when to cast. But if you look at the movies, it looks so elegant, you know, easy. I'm standing here looking like a fool. And one stage, the, the, like the hook caught the back of my hat, and there goes my hat. And that was it. I decided that was too close to my ear. I cannot go, but there goes my ear. And I just stopped fishing. I took it. I went inside, and I said to Lindy, I'm done. The rest of the weekend, no fishing. Because although I watched the video and read the articles, I had no experience. I had no experiential knowledge of fly fishing. And my head knowledge meant nothing. Abiding in the Word means that you believe the Word of God and you apply the Word of God to your life. And through that application comes the knowledge through experience. It's when I don't know what to do as a parent, when I don't know how to handle my finances, when I don't know how to make this life decision, but I go to the Word of God and I experience the Word of God and I take the Word of God and believe the Word and I go and apply that to that area that I grow in the knowledge of God's will and His wisdom because I get to experience God in that area. I get to experience the power of His Word. The more I abide in His Word, the more I will abound in the knowledge of His will. And as I apply His Word, I will experience the freedom of His ways. Because I will get to experience God's way, not my way. As I apply His Word, I will walk into His freedom. Abiding leads to abounding. Abiding in His Word leads to abounding in the knowledge of the will of God. And walking in his freedom. But we need to apply it. The second thing I want to highlight this morning. It's interesting to see that Jesus speaks about abiding and knowing his truth and walking in freedom. And then he goes on to speak about identity. Jesus speaks, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But in between this, he speaks about being a son or a slave. See, abiding is about Relationship. 
It's not just reading the word. It's being in relationship with the Father and from that place discovering your identity. And from that identity comes freedom. Because either you're a slave to sin or you're found as a son in God, a son in Jesus. Who knows a slave lives insecure. There's no safety. You're constantly working for reward. You're constantly working to be achieved, um, welcomed or to be valued or to feel a sense of purpose. But a son, a son has all those things, not because of what he's doing, but because of who his father is. See, finding your identity from your relationship with God brings freedom. If we really believe that God is God, that He is who He says He is, then it means that He is the highest authority that speaks over our lives. There's no higher authority. And therefore, regardless of what other people might say, what God says about us determines who we are. He is the highest authority, and our lives are defined by Him, not by what other people say, not by where I come from, where I live, where I don't live, not by how much money I have or don't have, how successful are I, uh, uh, how successful you are in the eyes of others. It's not determined, your value is not determined by what you do or your past mistakes. Because the almighty creator of heaven and earth speaks over your life and he says, I love you. You are my child. And that is incredibly freeing because you don't have to impress anyone. You don't have to live up to the standard and the expectations of everyone around you. You live up to the identity that God is placing over your life. See, when God says, you are my son, there's a certain form of significance that's spoken of our lives, meaning we are important to God. Parents sitting here in this venue will know, regardless of what your child does, they are important to you. You love them. So if God calls us sons, He says He loves us, He values us. But a son has certain privileges as well that a slave do not have. There's significance. There's a meaning behind our lives if we're children of God. There's a purpose behind our lives. And there's a security, knowing that we are loved by God. And therefore, we can really trust Him. Knowing who you are in Jesus is incredibly freeing. It's part of the life that Jesus has for us. To walk in that freedom, to become the men and women that God created us to be. So this morning, what is defining your life? What are you finding your identity in? Are you walking in that freedom that Jesus has for you? Are you constantly trying to live up to the expectations that maybe you have on yourself? I'm not saying you should have low expectations. I'm just saying your expectations should measure up to God's expectations. Where are you finding your identity in? Are you living in that freedom? And the last thing that I want to highlight from this encounter Either you abide in the truth of God 
or you abide in something else. And that something else is usually a version of your own truth, a half-truth. See, in, in, reject, in rejecting Jesus, these Jews created their own version of the truth. You're either in the truth of God or you're in your version of the truth. And unfortunately, we're living in a society where most people are entitled to creating their own version of truth. Look at what these Jews do. They completely miss what Jesus is offering them through their version of truth. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, and this is the important part. If we can have that scripture on the screen, please, guys. This is how they answer him. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Notice that their version of the truth has completely deceived them. If you know anything about the nation of Israel, slavery is part of their history. Here they go, we have never been slaves. We are the sons of Abraham. Their very start as a nation came from slavery in Egypt, where God saved them from the oppression of Pharaoh. They've been slaved under the rulership of Egypt. Throughout the history in the Old Testament, you see them being enslaved, where they disobey God, and then eventually they were um, oppressed in the time of Judges. They were in exile in Babylon. And even now in this moment, speaking to Jesus, the Roman emperor are ruling over them. They are oppressed by Rome in this very moment. But their version of truth says to Jesus, we've never been slaves. This is such an incredible statement while they're being oppressed. And their version of truth, their pride in their hearts, blinds them to what Jesus is offering them. And then they start to question if they really need what Jesus wants to give them. How will you say you will become free? And they're like, we've never been slaves so how can that what you're offering us be any beneficial to us? Their version of their truth blinds them to the freedom that Jesus has for them. They miss the spiritual freedom that Jesus is offering them. And they're still caught up in the bondage of sin. And their version of truth kept them in captivity. Kept them in bondage. See, freedom is only found in abiding in His truth. Not any truth or half-truth or your truth. It's only found in His truth. There's a danger that our version of truth might keep us from experiencing Jesus. But you've been sitting in church for so many years and you've heard the message of Jesus and the freedom of Jesus so many times but every time there's a version of truth that tells you it's not for you. A version of truth that tells you I'm okay. 
the vision of truth that tells you what will happen if I respond to this. And like these Jews, our version of truth might keep us in bondage. So if we end this morning, in what areas of your life do you need freedom? Because I firmly believe no one sitting here this morning does not need freedom. Maybe you were caught, you were the slave to habitual sin. Maybe there's this relational breakdown. Maybe there's fear and anxiety. But what area of your life do you need freedom? And what half-truth might be keeping you in bondage? What lie are you believing that's keeping you from experiencing the freedom in Jesus? To conclude, abiding in His truth leads to abounding in His freedom. Finding your identity from relationship with God leads to freedom. And freedom is only found in abiding in His truth. I cannot help but think on where this encounter started. A woman caught in adultery in front of Jesus. A person that's a slave to sin, condemned by man and deserving of death according to the law, in front of Jesus. And Jesus' actions and his words freed this woman. If you're standing in front of Jesus this morning, what is Jesus writing in front of you? What is Jesus saying over your life? Because the good news is the actions and words of Jesus has already saved us. If we were to stand in front of Jesus this morning, you would hear him and you would see him right in front of you on the ground. It is done. It is enough. What I did on the cross, it is done. My actions was enough. I love you. You accept me. There's new life for you. Follow me. What do you think Jesus is writing in front of you this morning? What is Jesus speaking over your life? Will you choose to respond? If you abide, if you respond, there's a life of freedom waiting for every one of us. So again, I want to ask, what areas of your life do you need freedom? What is the half-truth that's keeping you from this freedom? What is defining your life and what are you abiding in? Can you imagine yourself this morning sitting in front of Jesus? And what is he saying to all these questions? So we're going to close our eyes. And I allow you just for a couple of minutes to ask the question because I believe God wants to minister to our hearts this morning. I believe that the Spirit of God wants to speak freedom over your life. And God speaks to us if we allow him to. Where you are. 
Do you want to answer that question? Will you abide? And you want to ask Jesus, what will you, what would you say over my life this morning? If you need to repent this morning, why don't you want to use this moment? Don't wait for another time or more ideal time or a place where you're alone. But would you just go, God, I'm sorry. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the lies that I'm believing that's keeping me from experiencing your freedom. Lord, I'm sorry that I've been abiding and fear, abiding in all these other things that's keeping me away from you. Lord, I'm sorry that I'm trying to find my identity in something else. And in your own words, don't you just want to repent this morning? But if you want to say this morning, yes, Lord, yes, I want to abide in you. I want to remain in you. I want to find my identity in you, Lord. I want to live in your truth. I want to abound in your knowledge. I want then I want to do a prayer with you. A simple prayer. But a powerful, life-changing prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, today I choose to follow you anew. Today I choose to put my trust and my faith and my hope in you. You are my Lord. Thank you that you were willing to give your life for me. Thank you for willing to take up the penalty of sin, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that today I can know I can be a son in your house, that I'm free from the, the slavery of sin, the penalty of sin. And Lord, I pray now that you would help me. I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and do something new in my life. I pray that you would start a new life of freedom in me. Lord, help me to abide in your word. Help me to abound in the knowledge and the application of your word. Lord, help me to find my identity in you, Lord. Lord, help me to live in your truth, in your truth alone. Protect me against the enemy, the lies of the enemy and the things that wants to come deceive me and lead me in your truth. And Lord, as I do this, may your perfect will be done over my life. May I walk in your freedom. Father, I pray this now by the authority that you've given us, Lord, that by your spirit, that you would bring freedom over our church, that you would bring freedom in people's lives now, Lord, that you would make people aware of that which you're already starting in their hearts and their minds, Lord. I pray that by your authority that you would break the bondage of lies over us, Lord, that those lies will no longer be keeping us in captivity, Lord, but by your authority, it is broken today, Lord. I pray against the power of, of fear this morning, Lord. I pray against the power of materialism, Lord. I break it in your name, Lord, and I pray against this performance thing in our culture, Lord, and I pray that you would help us to live in the freedom that you have for us, Jesus. May we not live second-hand, mediocre lives, but may we become the men and women, the sons and daughters that you intended us to be. 
Lord, as we throw off these chains, as we walk into the freedom that you have for us, may you help us to help others experience your freedom. I pray now, Lord, that you will even make us aware of people that you've placed in our lives that need your freedom. May you give us the courage and the boldness and the grace to love them well and lead them to your freedom. I thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing. And Lord, may you continue to do the good work that you've started in us this morning. We pray this and ask this in your wonderful name. Amen.